Thank you for downloading this podcast from Awakening Church. Because that's how good God is. His word is so powerful. But I, I want to talk with you about this idea. See, I just need to go ahead. Let's pray. <laughs> I just want to talk with you. If I'm doing that, somebody let me know. I don't know. Okay. Hallelujah. It wasn't me for once. <laughs> uh, but I want to talk with you about this, this master plan that God has for our lives that it includes community, fellowship, and love. And so uh, I guess really what I want to share with you today is that without community, you really can't be everything you need to be in the body of Christ. You can't be the child of God that God has called you to be without community. Now listen, I know what you're thinking because I thought it myself. I have thought, never here at Awakening, but I thought, boy, church would be so good if it wasn't for those people. <laughs> Come on. Some of you trying to look all angelic and you got the halo, but I know what you're thinking. Church would be, and, and some of you are saying, that's not what I think. I just think church would be good without some of those people, <laughs> right? And there's a few of you really holy. You say, well, church would be good if it just wasn't for one or two of those people, right? And yet, it's those very people that make the community and make you become what you really need to be. Come on. Listen, it's that very person that you try to avoid. Now, I know none of you do that. But it's that person you try to avoid. That's the person you need to connect with a little more because as iron sharpens iron, right, that's how friends build one another up in the body of Christ. I want to share with you just a thought that, you know, there are governmental legal systems on the earth Really, and for that matter, there are, are universal uh, systems of law. I mean, think about things like gravity. The, what do we call that? We call it the law of gravity. Why do we call that the law of gravity? You know, actually, people don't even really know what causes it to this day. It's like consciousness Right? How do you really understand and define consciousness? How do you get deep into that? And just because I don't understand that, I still believe it exists. Because I don't understand gravity completely, I don't go step off a 10-story building, right? Because I know it works. You see, God is real whether you want him to be real or not. And, and these laws that exist, both the laws that we have all around the world in different governments and the laws of thermodynamics and the laws of physics, all of these things really exist because preceding them was a spiritual eternal law that God put in place. I know that's not a worldview or a concept that's popular today. You know, in our I don't know what it is today. I think we're post-postmodern now. Some people are saying we're post-Christian. You know, I, you can call it what you want to call it. I can tell you, you can't get past reality. It's just impossible. But, but this worldview that we're talking about today is not popular. The existence of God, the existence of truth absolute truth, the existence of morality, and even the spiritual legal systems that I'm talking about for that matter are considered really not only out of vogue, they're actually considered downright intolerant today, right? I mean, imagine that. 
Really, come on, somebody think with me just a moment. Because you want to believe in God, you're intolerant. Because you want to protect the sanctity of all life, including life that hasn't quite come out of the womb yet, you're intolerant. Because you don't want to accept that there are many, 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 many more genders than you can ever imagine. Science and biology, just forget about that stuff. Nothing to see there. <laughs> yeah, just, just don't worry about it. See, really, you realize what's happening in our society. It's all an attack on the truth of God. That's where it's going. The enemy wants to attack that. He wants to attack community as well. Because he understands if he can attack that and get you to forsake that, if he can give, get you to forsake truth, that then it really won't matter what else you believe. It really won't matter what you get right. It really won't matter what else you do. If you forsake truth, then he's got it taken care of already. I mean, think about this. People actually out there say, you know, there is no such thing as truth. You know how to, how to fix that, right? You know how to address that. It's really easy. When somebody comes to you and they, they tell you, you know, there is no such thing as truth. Just ask them one question. Well, is that statement that you made true? Come on. I mean, it's really simple. L listen, I, I love Ravi Zacharias. Anybody, anybody ever listen to Ravi? I listen to him. I try to listen to him in my sleep because I feel like I understand him about as much there as when I'm awake. You know, because like he is just so deep. He's got so much stuff going on. But it's interesting that in the society in which we live, people say there can't be a God because there's so much evil in the world. Right? You hear that? How can there be a God? And I know some people are honestly asking that question, and they've fallen into the trap that the enemy wants them to believe, well, yeah, if there's evil, how could there be God? How could God really exist if there's evil? And I love how Ravi handles that. It's so eloquent. You know, he just says, he puts this notion to bed because basically the way he says it is, well, when you lament that there is too much evil in the world, then you presuppose that there is good. Right, because you can't have evil without good. And if you accept that there is good in the world, well, then at that point, you necessitate that there must be a moral law by which to differentiate between good and evil, right? And if you then say, okay, there is a moral law, well, guess what? There must be a moral lawgiver. Yeah. Oh, but hold up. That's who we're trying to disprove, not prove, right? So if there is no moral law giver, there couldn't be a moral law, right? Okay. And if there's no moral law, then there's no good. And if there's good, there's no evil. What was the first question in the first place? You know, I mean, think about this. What, what the world is trying to get us to buy into is not... This, it's anything but this. You see, it, it makes sense to me beyond anything else that if God really exists, if God is really there, the first thing he would have done from the very beginning of human writing is to put his purpose and his will in writing so that 
it can be passed down to us in an eternal form so that every day, it doesn't matter who you are, you can open this up. Not only can I open it up, my kids can open it up. Uh, my grandkids, when they come along, will be able to open it up. And generation after generation, they'll be able to open it up and read it. But what too many people want to do is they want to reject it and say it can't really be real. So... We're here to talk about community fellowship and love today. So how do we get from eternal spiritual legal systems to community fellowship and love? I'm so glad you asked. <laughs> because this is where it comes from. You see, God has set certain things in order, and I love this. I hear Ryan say this quite often. You may have heard it. He'll say, you know, it's illegal for you to do X if you don't do Y, right? I mean, we talk in terms of that, things being illegal. And really, where he's coming from in that is he's just saying there are some legal precedents, some legal systems that have been set in place that whether you accept them or not, they're still fact. That's right. I mean, you can reject it if you want to. I mean, you can think the law of gravity doesn't happen. You can think that the law of sin and death isn't real. You can think all these things all you want, but the truth is, truth is truth and reality is reality. And the legal systems God put in place before he ever created us are still in place. And one of those systems is the system of community. Somebody, hear me today. God created community because he was community. Mm. Let, let, let me just share a thought with you. I, I, I hate to get too much into homiletics or exegesis or eisegesis, but I, I want to share one thought with you. It's called the principle of first mention. Some of you heard of that, right? See, the principle of first mention just means that if we really want to know what God thinks about a subject, if we want to know what the foundation is, right, to build everything else upon, we go to the first place it's mentioned in Scripture. Now, I know this is a little challenging because we do have a canon, and there were some people that a few years ago put the canon in order, but I'm just going to say that I believe God had his hand not only on the writing in Hebrew, I believe God had his hand in uh, the translation of Scripture. I don't believe translations are perfect, but I still believe God had his hand in those, and I believe God had his hand on the body of Christ when the canon was put together, and I believe God's big enough to bring his word to us the way he wants us to see it. Anybody with me? So let's, let's hang with that. If you don't believe that, I'm up for that discussion later. I mean, I'm all over it. Just come get me, all right? And we'll talk. But the principle of first mention is just the idea that God indicates the foundation of truth on any subject that stands in his mind, which will never change. And that means the initial discussion of that subject in the Word of God has an unusually high significance to it. So let's look at the idea First of all, I would say community, but let's do this. Let's look at the idea of God and the principle of first mention. Anybody know where God is first mentioned in Scripture? It's real easy. Go, go to the beginning, right? In the beginning, God created heaven and earth. So, so we have this from the very beginning, it's God. And notice that word in the Hebrew is Elohim. 
Interestingly, it's actually translated in some places because Elioi is actually the singular of it. Elohim is actually the plural. Why would God refer to himself in the plural? Why would God even talk about that? Well, you see, he goes on later in in, uh, Genesis and he says, Let us make man, mankind, right? He's talking about all men, all women. Let us make mankind in our image. Again, I mean, I could go on. You know, uh, the Shema, Deuteronomy 6 and 4, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. That word ikad is actually a, a plural form of one. It's so interesting to me because all of this supports the doctrine of the Trinity. And you might be saying, well, David, what was so important about the Trinity? I want you to know that God has eternally existed himself in community. Always. There was never a moment in time that God was alone. He was always in community. Is it little wonder then that God looks at Adam and says, yeah, that's not good by himself. It is not good. It is not good. It's the first thing. Get, Get back and read Genesis 1. In Genesis 2, God made this and saw it was good. God made this and saw it was good. God made this and saw it was good. And he makes a man and says, something's not good. <laughs> Help us, Jesus. Let's all pray right now, right? I'm getting ready to have an altar call. No, God realizes that we need community, and so he creates the family. And it points to the church, the body of Christ. He, he does that at the beginning from the Israel as a community. And I could go on and on in that. But I want you to see one passage of scripture here. 1 Corinthians chapter 1 verse 10. He says, I urge you, my brothers and sisters, for the sake of the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, to agree to live in unity with one another. Put rest Put to rest any division that attempts to tear you apart. Be restored as one united body living in perfect harmony. Form a consistent choreography among yourselves. Now, I would not attempt to do this to you. But dance is something God came up with. One day in heaven... I'm going to have a dance that actually looks more than just this right here, you know, because this is about where I got it. You know, this is where I live, right? Yeah, you know what I'm talking about. And yet, he's talking in the form of a consistent choreography among ourselves. Have you ever seen a choreographed swimming or da- dancing or any of that stuff, you know, in the Olympics? They, they're choreographed, and you look at that, and you say they are so perfectly in sync that's what God's talking about he's calling the body of Christ you and I to be one with each other in a kind of unity that has a common perspective with shared values that's the last thing he says in that verse shared values listen I don't think like you think some of you go ahead and say amen right now it's it's okay but you don't think like I think that's okay you know, I have different thoughts on different things, but, but one thing we've got are core values we share in common. Yeah. There are some things that are laid out in this book that you and I 
together will agree we cannot depart from. You know, things like Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. There are things that we trust and believe in together, values that we share, that all life is holy and all life we hold in sanctity. There are values that we share that bring us together and bring a common bond. Now, why is Paul saying this in the first chapter of 1 Corinthians here. I'll tell you why he's saying this in the very first chapter is because the Corinthians were deeply divided. They're a lot like many of the churches I've attended in my life. Come on, somebody. I mean, they were so divided, and they weren't just divided about one thing. I mean, they were divided about a lot of things. In, in the first three chapters, we see that they had divided over which leader they were going to follow, Right? And then the next few chapters, chapters 6 through 8, they're divided over the limits of what kind of freedom they have to do this or that in the body of Christ, right? And then it goes on. In the next chapter, they, they have uh, divisions over their socioeconomic status. And then in chapters 12 to 14, get this, they got divisions over spiritual gifts. Nobody's ever seen that one, have we? Man, that, that just blows my mind that there are people that I listen to, that I respect in certain areas of teaching that they do so much. And then they get to another place, and I feel like they missed it so crazy, right? Right? And I'm like, how in the world do you miss that? You know, how in the world do you miss that we need the gifts in the body? If we don't have the gifts, something bad is going to happen, right? I mean, we can't get there without his giftings to us. We can't make it without him coming through for us. And so these areas, I begin to think about it, and, and it's so amazing. I'm not even going to name names because I'm not here to tear anybody down. I used to love to name names until I realized somebody's probably naming my name somewhere, right? And then I started thinking, yeah, that's probably not too good. And maybe I ought to be trying to unite the body rather than divide the body. Let me mention somebody who's dead. <laughs> Is that okay? Can I just get in? And, and I want to do this because I want you to see how amazing this is. How many of you have heard the name, because Ryan just mentioned we're the 500 second anniversary. How many of you heard the name Martin Luther? Let me just see. Quite a few of you. How many of you have a positive uh, mindset or thought process about Martin Luther? You feel like he's a pretty good guy. Pretty good, right? I mean, as a matter of fact, we have something besides just the Catholic Church today because of the theses, right, that he put, he nailed to the door. And, and, and we've got, you know, an entire movement, what we call a Protestant movement today, and there are maybe too many denominations, but at least we've got more than just one thing, I, you know. And I think denominations are okay if we can just learn to live with one another and love one another regardless. Hello? But it's interesting to me, did you know if you read the history on Martin Luther that he had a hatred for Jews? Martin Luther, really. He actually advocated violence against Jews. Go back and read it. And I sit there and I say, how does a guy who has so many things right get this thing so wrong? Well, guess what? I get a lot of things wrong. 
Anybody willing to just go ahead and say, you know what, I missed some stuff? Come on. Listen, aren't you thankful that God's not waiting on you to arrive at perfection to accept you into the body and say, come on, now you made it and you arrived and you can be part of what I'm doing. No, God says, you know, you got a lot of stuff wrong. Dave Mullins, you missed a whole lot of things. You've done a lot of things incorrectly. You had even some incorrect doctrine throughout your days and you've hurt people and you've done incorrect things. But let me tell you, my love is still there for you. Come on, somebody say amen to that. That's what God's love does. He doesn't expect perfection from us. He allows us to come together and allows us to be wrong while we are becoming right. Hello. It's okay. So, I realize that community can be a fearful thing, right? Because some of us, we get these pictures in our mind when we talk about community, right? Come on. I know what you're thinking. You're thinking, you know, uh, moving to some country in South America, <laughs> putting up a commune, <laughs> drink the Kool-Aid, right? I know what you're, you're thinking. You've heard some bad things about community. But can I just tell you, just because somebody got community wrong is no reason to give up on God's idea and concept of community. As a matter of fact, did you know they would never make a counterfeit $100 bill if there was never a real $100 bill out there? It just wouldn't happen, right? Right? I mean, the only reason there are counterfeits is because the real thing exists. And if the real thing exists and God says we're to be part of it, don't you want to find it? Don't you want to get there? I realize it could be fearful. It's interesting to me. You know, I was uh, taking a shower this week. And, uh, you know, I, 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 I get in the shower. And, and most of the time, I disregard the 86 bottles of things in, in the shower. You know, I mean, I just disregard. I just count. I chalk it up to this is the price I pay to have this beauty around me all the time. You know, I mean, I'm a guy that, you know, I mean, I had three daughters, my wife. So I'm one guy in a room, uh, you know, a house with four women and it's okay. I just, I just get in the shower. Those things line the walls of all those, you know, I mean, I just, one of these days I feel like if I hug one of them, they're just going to squeeze right through the ceiling. You know, I don't know because of all the stuff and, and, and so I try to ignore it, but this week, as I got in the shower, I realized I was out of shampoo. That's not funny. <laughs> that is not funny at all. I use shampoo, too. <laughs> but I was out of shampoo, so I got to find something. So I start on a trek. <laughs> all the bottles. And I'm reading things. And, and, and see, what some of you know about me is that, you know, I wear glasses or contacts. So I'm in the shower. <laughs> One bottle at a time. <laughs> Trying to find the shampoo. <laughs> just any shampoo. I mean, really, I would have taken, it, just, it, it could have it smelled like, you know, daffodils. I would have taken that shampoo. Somewhere around bottle 43, I don't know. <laughs> I come across something, I'm not lying to you. Listen, as God is, I'm standing here, I would not lie to you. I come by a bottle, I get it up, and I have to do a double take. 
it does not say that. It does say that. Build up buster. No, really. I just became immediately afraid. I mean, I was so nervous. I'm in the shower. I mean, I'm thinking TNT. I'm, I don't know what this is. And, and I don't even want to ask, where do I put it? I don't know. I'm just so scared. There's build-up buster here. And then someone in my house is using it. Listen, I get that there are things that make you afraid. But it's interesting. My wife pointed out to me just yesterday. I'm not lying at this either. Just yesterday, I'm studying You know, I've had a few weeks to prepare for this message, and so I'd I'd already gotten a lot together, and I was good, but you know how it is. You're always trying to think, and you're processing, and so I am, and my wife says to me, look at something you wrote seven years ago today. I said, what? Something I wrote seven years ago today, she hands it over to me, and this is what I wrote seven years ago yesterday. When facing fear... Ask yourself, what does fear fear? The answer, community. Fear always tries to isolate you and put you on an island. Fear always wants you to think you're the only one that feels a certain way or has certain doubts. Can anybody identify with this? I know I can. Fear is terrified that you'll get plugged into a community of other people and learn God's truth. That's what fear fears. So you may be a little bit afraid of community, but I'm telling you, this is God's master plan for us as mankind. Acts 2 and verses 42 to 47 in the Passion Translation says this, Every believer was faithfully devoted to following the teachings of the apostles. Their hearts were mutually linked to one another. Or they became partners is another way to say that. Sharing communion and coming together regularly for prayer. A deep sense of holy awe swept uh, believers. Uh, I'm sorry, swept over everyone. And the apostles performed many miraculous signs and wonders. All the believers were in fellowship as one body. And they shared with one another whatever they had. Out of generosity, they even sold their assets to distribute the proceeds to those who were in, uh, in need among them. Daily they met together in the temple courts and in one another's homes to celebrate communion. They shared meals together with joyful hearts and tender humility they were continually filled with praises to God enjoying the favor of all the people and the Lord kept adding to their number daily those who were coming to life community is God's plan that was his plan from the beginning that was his plan when the church was born in Acts chapter 2 and can I tell you it's his plan today community is his plan I want to share with you also fellowship is his plan. Now, in in my opinion, the present day church has really entirely missed the concept of of biblical fellowship. You you know what I'm talking about. Because let me just say it right now. Fellowship and what comes to mind. Come on, you know what? You're talking about food, right? Yeah, food. 
Right? I'm not going to take that away from you, but let me just add something to it. Okay, is that all right? I don't want to take food away from you. I'd, I'd hurt myself if I did that. See, let's, let's talk about the law of first mention. But before I go there, look at Acts 2 in the New Living Translation. Do you all have it in the New Living or not? You do. Okay. In the New Living Translation, here's what it says. All the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to sharing in meals, including the Lord's Supper and to prayer. Fellowship is not eating. Okay, I'm not taking it away from you. It's still in Scripture. We can do it, okay? We can share meals. I'm not going to do you that way because we're going to do that. We love doing that. It's important. It's awesome. And I just love to eat. If you don't know me, you're going to learn it. I love to eat. But I want you to understand what fellowship really is. So in order to do that, let's, let's look at fellowship and the principle of first mention, right? Where is the first place... That, that the Hebrew word for fellowship is found in the Bible. It's actually found in Genesis chapter 14, verses 1 through 3. Now, it's translated in other places as fellowship, but here it's not translated as fellowship, okay? It's the same word that's translated as fellowship other places. But here I want to read it to you. Genesis 14, verses 1 through 3. In the days of Amraphel, king of Shinar, Ariok, king of Elasar, Keterleomer, king of Elam, and Tidal, king of Goyim, these kings made war with Bera, king of Sodom, Bersha, king of Gomorrah, Shinab, king of Admah, and Shemeber, king of Zeboim, and the king of Bela, that is Zoar, and get verse 3, and all these joined forces. The Hebrew word is kabar. All of these fellowshiped together. All of these allied together in the valley of Siddim that is the Salt Sea. Here's, here's what I think we as the body of Christ are missing. This word kabar is not only the word for fellowship, but it means to join either literally or figuratively, specifically even by mystical means, it says, to fascinate, to charm, to join in league. But look in this context, it's a bunch of kings joining together, allying together in fellowship to come against the enemy because they realize if they don't come against the enemy in fellowship, they're going to be defeated. Somebody help me. Tim, help me. Just come up here. Come on. Come up here. Listen. Listen. When I realize that the enemy is on my track... And I know that something's going on. Let's say there's a problem in my family that I don't know how to get all on my own. i got to realize I need some fellowship, right? Come on, I need to get somebody, some brother, some sister, and get them on my side and say, I need some fellowship because I need to overcome what the enemy's doing. Come up here, Chad. Listen, when, when I realize that I need healing in my body, healing in my family, I'm not going to just do it on my own. Come on. You might want to do it on your own, and that's okay if you want to do that, but can I tell you, you'll fail all alone. Is that all right? What, what I need you to do is I need you to get a brother on your side, a sister on your side, and I need you to say, let's march together. Come on. Let's get in fellowship together. Amen. Amen. 
that's what it's about. Listen, I can't do this on my own. I can't. I'm, I'm willing to admit that I need you. I need you. God has created me to need you. And unfortunately, he may have created you to need me too. Is that okay? Come on. That's what fellowship is all about. It's about really coming together and understanding one another. Here's my last thought. Is that all of this community can only be wrapped up in real love. I mean, that's, that's what it's all about. And I realize, listen, I don't have it down. I, I'm not perfect at loving. I, I've made a few mistakes in that area, right? I mean, I've done it with my wife at times. I've done it with my kids at times. I've done it with, with people at church at times. You know, I've done it with my brothers, my parents. You know, I mean, I, I've not always gotten it right. But, you know, how many of you realize just because you don't get it right, you don't give up going, right? You don't give up trying. You see, Love is really where we started in 1 Peter chapter 4, right? We started 1 Peter 4, 7 through 11, but look at verse 8 again. Verse 8 here says, above all, constantly echo. Everybody say echo. You know what the Greek word for echo is? Echo. Yeah, that's it. That's it. Come on. Everybody say, I know a little Greek. I got it down. You got it. Listen, we have to constantly echo. Echo God's intense love for one another. For love will be a canopy over a multitude of sins. I love that translation. Because see, see, I, I've read in the past in my limited mind concept, you know, it, 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 King James, I love some King James, but you know, sometimes King James isn't just quite there. You know, it sounds real pretty. It rolls off the tongue sometimes. But sometimes, you know, I mean, it is old English. It's not current English. And when I hear about just covering over sins, you know the idea you get, right? Well, just let them sin. Just cover that over and don't worry. But no, no, no. That's not what this is talking about. It's not talking about just let people sin. Everybody sin and just don't worry. Just cover it up. Shove it under the rug. It's talking about God's love that is a canopy that comes over the multitude of sins to wash it so that it disappears and it no longer exists because, see, the God I serve is not just big enough to forgive me my sin. He's big enough to cause me to come out of my sin. Hello. He's big enough to help me move beyond that, right? I'm not saying I'm perfect. Come on. I'd be fooling you. You, you know. You, I couldn't fool you. You know better. But God's love is a love that draws us above this. Look at Proverbs 10 and 12. I love this because that's what this passage is referring to. He said, hatred keeps old quarrels alive. Anybody know what I'm talking about there? But love draws a veil over every insult and finds a way to make sin disappear. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, God, that you find a way to cause my sin to literally disappear. You find a way for me to come out of that lifestyle that I used to be in bondage to. But today I can say no more to it because the God I serve can cover me in his love and cause all of that sin literally to drift away and disappear. 1 Corinthians 13, you know it's the love chapter. I just have to read this to you. Guys, if you want to come to the music right now, I'm getting ready to close. 
1 Corinthians 13, look at this. Again, Passion Translation is just so eloquent. Love is large and incredibly patient. Love is gentle and consistently kind to all. It refuses to be jealous when blessing comes to someone else. Somebody ought to say amen. Love does not brag about one's achievements nor inflate its own importance. Love does not traffic in shame and disrespect. My goodness, thank you, God, that my God does not traffic in shame and disrespect. Listen, I know my parents were doing what they were taught, and they got a lot of things right, but they got a few things wrong. You know, shame on you, you know. I said that to my kids a couple of times, but I finally learned that that's not the way to get the best out of them because God never shames us. God doesn't shame us. He doesn't disrespect us. He loves us. God's not calling us to walk in shame. He's calling us to come out of shame. Keep on reading in this. Love doesn't traffic in shame and disrespect nor selfishly seek its own honor. Love is not easily irritated or quick to take offense. Love joyfully celebrates honesty. Finds no delight in what is wrong. Love is a safe place of shelter for it never stops believing the best for others. Love never takes failure as defeat for it never gives up. Love never stops loving. Love never stops loving. You know, as we're embracing this idea in the ministry of community, and we've started awakening groups. You've all received a call. If you haven't received a call, maybe you're, you're brand new to awakening. If you, uh, you haven't received a call, please let me know. Let Stephanie know. Let, let Ryan and Rebecca know. We want to plug you into one of these awakening groups because this is about community. It's about you and I needing one another so much that we can't do life just on Sunday. Right? Listen, it's not enough. I'm not saying Sunday's bad. Sunday's awesome. I love Sunday. But it's just one piece of the puzzle. I need you. I need you on Monday. Come on, when I get back to work on Monday and things are just getting out of hand, I need to be able to pick up my phone and call somebody and say, Hey, brother, sister, just pray with me. It's, it's, it's hitting me again, you know. I, need, I know some of you told me about how you love to just get every place you can get, every service you can get to, because you just love to be in the presence of God. And services are great. Worship times are great. But, you know, some of us just need community with one another. We just need to get together and just hang out. That's what awakening groups are about. They're about us just connecting at wherever in the community, our houses, our homes, a park, Wherever, just getting together, hanging out, eating some food together, linking arms and fellowshipping together, praying together, finding out about what's going on in your life. Because see, if I don't know what's going on, I can't really be there for you. But if I know what's happening, then I want to come alongside you and I want to build you up. If you know what's going on, you can come alongside me and help build me up. That's what community is about. That's what fellowship is about. It's all about the process of perfecting the love that God has for us.
so that we display that exact type of love between one another. Anybody arrived yet? I didn't think so. I can't raise my hand. So here's what I want to promise you. With awakening groups, with community that we're doing, I'm not going to promise you that everything will always be perfect. Everybody okay with me just being honest? It's not always going to be perfect. But I can promise you this. We're going to do life and love together. We're going to link arms with one another. We're going to do life together with one another because we need each other. Well, I can't stop now. First, this is last thought. Last thought. First place love is mentioned in the Bible, right? Ahava. Ahava. First place that's mentioned, Jacob is at his father-in-law's, and he just worked seven years for Rebekah. Seven years of his life, he worked hard labor in a labor camp for Rebekah. Tell me, now that's a name to have, isn't it? It's Rachel. Thank you. I just feel like it needs to be Rebecca. Yes. Listen, I told you it's not always going to be perfect. I'm looking at Rebecca and I'm thinking Rachel. But it's okay. We'll get there. So Rachel, he works for seven years. Seven years. At the end of seven years, he gets Leah. Now, there's a lot I could go into about this because Jacob here is actually a type of Christ. He's a a foreshadowing of Christ, a foreshadowing of the old covenant with Leah, the children of Israel, and the new covenant with Rachel, the body of Christ, the church. I don't have time to really get into that, but I can tell you this. Let me just read it. So Jacob served seven years for Rachel, But they seemed only a few days to him because of the love he had for her. Now that's love. Love says, you know what? I may have to go above and over, but you're worth it. I want you to close your eyes right now for just a moment. Just close your eyes. And I want you to just use your imagination right now. And I want you to see the Father. Just see the heavenly father. He's at his throne in the holy of holies. He's there in all his majesty, his glory, and his splendor. And it's 2,000 years ago. There he is. Just imagine, see him. And he says, mankind is spinning out of control. He sees your face. He sees your name and he speaks it out. Come on, just hear him. He's speaking your name. And he says, it's really going to cost me everything. It's going to cost me my own son. But he says, your name again. He sees your face and he says, because you're worth it. You're so worth it. I count giving my son and his life. It's just a few days. It's not that big of an expense because that's how much I love you. Now I want you to just come down into the ages to today. And Jesus says, Jesus says to us, this is how the world will know that you 
are mine. This is how the world will know you belong to me. That the same kind of love that my father had for you and I have for you. You have that kind of love for each other. That's what he's calling us to. That's the love we have to embrace. That's the community we must build. Here's what I'm going to ask you to do. Just stand with me right now. Right now. Just throughout the house. Here's what I'm going to ask you to do. If you are a believer, you say, yep, I'm his kid. I'm a king's kid. I'm a child of God, and I've experienced his love in such an amazing way. I know I didn't deserve it, but he gave it to me anyway. I failed him on multiple occasions, but he still loved me with an everlasting love. And I want to do everything he tells me I need to do. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to just come down to the altar with me. And I want you to join hands and arms with a brother or sister. Come on. Just, just come on down. Come on down. Come on down. Just grab somebody by the hand and just, just say, listen, I'm going to do what he's called me to do. I'm going to join with my brothers, with my sisters. I'm going to create community. I'm going to become part of community. It might scare me. I, I don't know what it's going to look like. Hey, can I tell you you're in good company? I don't know what all this community is going to look like. But one thing I know is if he called us to do it, it's going to look good. It's going to look good. It's going to be awesome. It's going to be amazing. I don't, I don't have it all figured out, don't understand it all, but one thing I'm willing to do is I'm willing to yield to his wisdom. I'm willing to yield to his call. And I'm willing to say, okay, God, rather than doing it my way, see, my way says, well, just keep a little distance, just a little distance, because you need to be able to protect yourself. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Because you, you've been hurt before. And, and, and that could happen again. And so you just, you know, you, you, you act like you're, you're going to do community, but just keep a little bit there. I wish I could have heard Rebecca's entire message on vulnerability last week. I was told that somehow it did not get recorded. But maybe I'll just sit down with her and have her just do it all over again just for me. Because here's what it's going to take for every one of us to do God's plan. It's going to take vulnerability. It's going to take us being willing to say, okay, I don't know what it's going to look like. I've been hurt before. I definitely don't want to be hurt again. But nevertheless, God, not my will. Come on. You know somebody said that, right? Jesus said it. And he's calling us to it too. Not our will, but his will be done. Will you just bow your heads with me right now? God, we're joining ourselves together literally and figuratively right now. God, we're joining together, not just hands and arms, but we're joining hearts together right now, God, because we realize we need to do life your way, not our way. We need to do community according to your plan, not our plan. So we're joining together 
We're accepting one another, faults and all, because we sure know we got our own. Why not accept others too? And God, together right now, we say we're going together to be the community that the world has been looking for. Come on, somebody. Tell him, God, I want to be the community the world's been looking for. The one that you said, this is how they'll know that I'm your kid. Because of my love for these folks and their love for me. And we are going to connect like we've never connected before. And the world is going to see it. And they're going to hunger and thirst for it, God. And you're going to get the glory that you deserve. Because the world is going to see it and say, If you can do that in them, God, surely you can do it in me as well. So, God, we just... Submit to your plan, your master plan. We submit to community, to fellowship, and to love today. God, no matter how fearful it may look, no matter how anxious we may be, no matter how unsure we are of what the final product looks like, God, we're going to operate in faith today. We are going to declare That by faith we will be the body you've called us to be. The community you've longed for us to be. The community you died for us to become. With the unity, Jesus, that you prayed for us to have. A unity that will blow the mind of this world. When they see how awesome you are through us. We thank you for that opportunity, God. We thank you and we say you are worthy of all the glory that transpires through us becoming the community of believers you died for us to be. Come on, somebody lift your hands and just give him praise right now. Just lift him up. Yeah, that's it. That's it. Just thank him. God, we want you to be glorified. We want you to be exalted. We want you to be worshipped and adored. We want the world to see you. We want the world to be amazed by you. God, we're so amazed by you. It's only fitting that the rest of the world can find you as well. And so we give you the glory. Thank you for joining us for this week's podcast from Awakening Church. You can find us online at awakeningky.com.